Welcome to Words to Inspire, lifelong empowerment from God's Word. I'm Ruth Coghill, your host. Have you ever wondered if and where you fit into God's plan? Today, I'll join by phone best-selling author and speaker, Liz Curtis Higgs, who will answer that question over the next few months. Through Liz's study book, The Girls Still Got It, she shows how our sovereign God used an unlikely candidate greatly to accomplish his purposes, Biblical Ruth. You won't want to miss Liz's insights and research into this amazing story of redemption. Welcome to Words to Inspire, Liz Curtis Higgs. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Liz, and I'm especially great because we are honored and privileged that you take time from your very full schedule to be with Words to Inspire on this fabulous book of Ruth. You do love this book, don't you? I do. Yes, I do. It was a joy to write. I immersed myself in the book of Ruth for five years, if you can imagine it. Wow. Um, studying in 40 different English translations, um, probably right about 100 books, commentaries about Ruth. Now, that sounds very heavy and left brain, but just trust me. I put all that in my heart, but then... Then I prayed over it and asked God to show me Ruth in maybe a fresh way. Perhaps a fresh way for me would become a fresh way for my readers. And I'm a storyteller at heart, Ruth. So, you know, we had to come at at the story of Ruth as a story, uh, making sure to use all the elements that I've learned as a fiction writer um, to teach this very true story. And so we're hoping it all came together for the girl still got it. I certainly had a blast writing it. Well, it sure has come together. I have a particular uh, love for the book as well, since I'm named after Ruth, Biblical Ruth. And I want to alert our listeners right now that together, Liz and I are going to unfold, unwrap this book as best we can over six segments. And uh, Liz, we're just going to dive right into this book, This Girl Still Got it, and we're going to ask you, what do you mean by the it? Right. What it does she still have? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think when we think about the it girl, and that goes back almost 100 years, really, describing a Hollywood star, she's got it. Um, The it, though, I have in mind is something significant, something not just pizzazz or personality, but describing the thing that matters most. And, of course, for us, that would be a relationship with our kinsman redeemer. Mm. So uh, Ruth has still got it. Her story is 3,200 years old, and it still has the power to speak to us. But we've still got it, too. We've, whatever our age, whatever stage of life we're in, um, wherever we are with the Lord, whether we're a brand-new Christian or we've been walking with him a long time, um, we've still got it. We have what matters most if we have a relationship with God. Oh, and that whole theme is going to, to continue to... Uh, to uh, spring up throughout this six-week segment. And first of all, let's get to the setting. Today, we're going to cover Ruth uh, verses uh, 1, chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. So let's dive in and get the setting of this story of biblical Ruth. Well, as I said, about 3,200 years ago, we're in the time of Judges. We have a family Elimelech, the dad, Naomi, the mom, and the two sons, Malon and Kilion. And a famine has come to the land. You know, any good story is going to begin with trouble. Yeah. Just a rule when you write a novel that, that trouble reveals itself 
literally on the first page, yes. uh, some conflict. And so the conflict in this story that God has spun for us is famine. There are 13 famines mentioned in the Bible, and trust me when I tell you this, they are all at God's hand. They were yeah. all for his purposes. Yeah. Nothing gets people's attention like being hungry, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally hungry. Yeah. And so, um, so there is a famine in the land. There's a famine in Bethlehem where this little family lives. And there's an irony to that because Bethlehem means house of bread. So for God to cause crops not to grow in a place known for being the granary of Israel, um, it's God's statement. You know, I am in control here. Don't ever, ever forget that. So here's our family. No food. What are they going to do? That's the question. Yes. So, so he takes his family and, uh, and heads uh, south or east or uh, is it a bit east, southeast, isn't it? Well, it would be east. They yes. um, would have to go north up over the north end of um, and across the Jordan over on the other side of the Dead Sea to Moab. Um, there's some question about how far south into Moab they needed to go. Moab was one of those countries where the border was constantly moving because of war. So uh, difficult to say exactly where the border was, but quite a distance for this family to travel, about a week's walk, um, for them to get to Moab of all places. Yeah. Ruth, they couldn't have chosen a worse place. Yeah. So, See, the thing is, when God gave his people the promised land, Uh, A a certain amount of property was given to each of the 12 tribes, right? And you were never allowed to sell the land. This was God's gift to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so so they didn't sell their land, um, but they left their land, which was totally not acceptable. It was considered a grave sin to leave the promised land. And then, of all places, Moab. The Israelites hated the Moabites because they were pagan. They worshipped the god Chemosh, who was a very evil god, the Bible tells us, and uh, among other things, uh, required that babies be sacrificed to him. So, So they left not only the promised land, they turned their back on God and went to what I think of as the far country. That's that wonderful phrase used for the prodigal son. He went to the far country. And in the truth is, Ruth, a lot of us know what a far country looks Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Had a, had a home there for a while. We lived at a zip code, had a post office box. Sure, in sure. In the far country. Uh, but for Elimelech and Naomi and their sons, um, 10 years were spent in the mm. far country. Mm-hmm. 10 long years. Mm. Now, it, it kind of seemed, you know, as this story comes about that, that uh, through the first few verses, that perhaps uh, Elimelech, or however you pronounce his name, uh, was, was going to just go down there and grab a few groceries and go back home. But then the next verse kind of says they went and lived there. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there was the challenge. There. I love your description of going grocery shopping. <laughs> yeah, they didn't go get food and come back. They moved there. Yeah. They stayed there. They remained yeah, there, yeah. Um, which is, of course, yet a greater sin of, of abandoning God's people and God's land to go where they knew they weren't supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It was not a good place spiritually for an Israelite to be. And what lessons for us today from this coming to a place, a cultural place, where we cannot possibly live because we can be in that world but not of the world. Uh, But here they have gone to the worst place possible with their two sons. The potential legacy, right? Yes. Well, 
Um, and of course, it gets worse. The longer they live there, then they marry um, women of Moabite. And this is the challenge for all of us. When we are drawn away from the things of God, when we find getting to church is just more difficult every Sunday, when reading the Bible every day with enthusiasm becomes an occasional read once a week and not with much enthusiasm, when we pull away and we're drawn away by the things of the world. Um, and, you know, we all live lives. We, we all, you know, <laughs> eat out at restaurants, go to the movies. Sure. We live in this real world. Sure. But um, it's where our hearts are, I think, that matter most to God, where we plant our feet, as it were, on what soil we call home. And so that's, I think, such an applicable lesson for today because we are surrounded, Ruth, by distractions, Absolutely. by things that take our attention away, not just from God's Word and God's people, but doing God's work, thinking first about how we can serve, thinking first about how we can give, thinking first about people who need to know Him, and putting those things far down on our to-do list and mm. worrying more about um, what is in front of us today. And remembering that most important of all, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, mind, and strength. And boy, did they get off track. They did. They were told not to forget the goodness of the Lord. And I wonder what the discussion was between Elimelech and, uh, and Naomi about going down there. Because they were, were taught, were they not, to pass on the greatness of God to their children and how he would always provide for them? Right, and bless them. You know, the blessing came because you were in God's land, on God's mm -hmm. physical property. Um, and so to leave um, the promised land was to step out from under the blessings of God. Um, and so um, very risky for this family. Yes, as you say, wouldn't I love to know the conversation the two of them had. <laughs> yeah. Was it entirely Elimelech's idea? Was it possibly Naomi's mm -hmm, idea? Mm -hmm. Or were these parents listening to their son's stomach grumbles and feeling, as any parent would, a desperation? We've got to feed our family. That mm -hmm. takes precedence over anything else. And of course, what God would have asked them to do was to humble themselves. Yes, yes. Come yes. to him. Yeah. Say, Lord, we're starving. Certainly he would have provided for them. It's so interesting. God never misses anything in his word. And how he has set that stage in the days when the judges ruled, that was a time that was identified by the Israelites turning away from God and doing what was right in their own eyes. The book of Yes, over and over. Over and, over. and isn't it amazing how we can so bring that into our culture today? Yes, we do. Uh, that exact phrase um, over and over. And I am not throwing rocks at anybody, Ruth, because I see that potential in my own life. Yes, absolutely. Oh, so, you know, this is no, oh, those people over there. No, no. You know, no. Like the Pharisees. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that sinner over there. Well. Getting, it is my own struggle, my own daily struggle to keep putting God first. And as I say, not only loving him with all my heart and soul and mind, but doing what he would have me do in this world to help others. Yes. Um, because sometimes we have this love thing going with God. We love him and we sense his love, but it kind of stops there um, in, in this little love fest. And we forget that what happens next is that the people of God do God's work according to his will and direction. 
um, so that it moves beyond us and it, it goes to others. But this family, you see, they were just worried about themselves. They were taking care of themselves. And that's a, that's a cautionary note for me. Well, I think one of the reasons that you and I can speak so passionately about it is because we are open and honest about our own personal struggles and certainly are not condemning but want this story to resonate and bring us truths that will help us make some of the decisions, good decisions that are made once all of the men are out of the way. Oh, sorry, Liz. I think you said yeah. that. <laughs> I think you said that in your book, so I'm blaming you for that comment. <laughs> I might have. You have to be careful. I love to use humor to teach. I know. I know. And all the all the necessary research to stand before the Lord with this book and say, Father, I did my very best to be absolutely true to your word. Yes, I yes. I still have to teach with humor because I yes. think it helps us. And, and this is nothing about not using seeing men at work, but it, what it is for is to help women see how much God can use them as well. That song, I'm with you, till my heart finds a home, great phrases that lead us right into the next part that we're going to talk about today. There's been a famine in the land, Liz, and Elimelech has taken his family and, and to Moab, that cursed place, and now uh, Naomi is without her husband and her sons. All she has now is the two Moabite daughters-in-law. Right. It's, it's Ruth. Wow. You have to ask the question, how did that happen? You see, yes. when Elimelech died, I think this was a clue to Naomi. It's time to go back home. You've come to the wrong place. Moab is not where life is. Moab is where death is. Go home. But yes. she doesn't. Yes. She instead marries her sons to Moabite women. And, you know, you're just scratching your head thinking, Naomi, why? Of course, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly why she stays and marries her sons. But I do, of course, having spent all these years in this book, I do have an opinion. I do have something that makes sense to me, given the situation. Malon and Killian, as sons, their names mean weakness, infertility, assumption. Uh -huh. These boys were not well. Yes. Now that her husband has died, the only way that Naomi's going to be cared for is if her sons have sons. She can see that her own sons are not going to live their full days. And so her only hope is grandsons. And so the sooner those boys are married, the better. Uh -huh. And I believe she decides then to, to marry her sons to Moabite women. Um, it's the ultimate turning her back to God yeah. um, because this was the worst thing that yes. you would ever want to do is yes. have your sons, good Israelite boys, married to pagan wives. And they had not turned to the God of Israel at that point. Oh, no. That's quite apparent by f uh, further verses uh, in the chapter. Right. Uh, so, so here are these girls. I mean, they... They may have been lovely, you know, they may have had um, brought some money into the marriage, there may have been some pluses, but the fact is they were Moabites. Yes. Uh, and so they marry, and they're married, um, they spend a full 10 years in Moab. We aren't certain whether they were married for 10 years, or 10 years is the full length of time in Moab. But in any case, the sons die too, and there's no description of those 10 years. They are, in other words, meaningless. Mm, wow. Lost empty. Empty years. Very good, Ruth. Wow. Years. Uh, and at the end of that time, 
Elimelech and, excuse me, Malon and Kilion are gone at once. Very quickly, they're dispatched, as yeah. it were. And yes. when we see that in the Old Testament, you know, it doesn't say that they were, uh, you know, suffered from a particular disease or they were injured or there was, you know, some, some reason. They're just gone, mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and poor Naomi is left with no husband, no sons, and no hope of grandsons. She has these two daughters-in-law who have not managed to produce a grandson for her. And on a note on that, by the way, the women were to blame for that. Men were never seen as the ones who were responsible. If sons weren't born, it was always the woman's fault. Oh, my. Yeah, so an extra level of guilt for um, Naomi at having chosen them and for these girls at not having produced any any children. And I can't help but think, uh, Liz, that Naomi, at this point, not only is she in a foreign country with foreign gods, knowing, 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 knowing that this has been a total huge error, mistake, sin, and away from all her family. Right. Like no support group. It's like this isolation of, of um, what happens when we pull ourselves out of the body of Jesus Christ. Right, and, and it does. You know, many times uh, I'll hear a Christian say, I just don't know how people can handle tragedy without Jesus. Yes, and without that body. I've spent all those years without Jesus. I can tell you how they <laughs> handle it poorly. Very poorly, <laughs> right. And so now Naomi makes that statement, or the, uh, the, the text makes that statement, when the Lord came to the aid of his people, when she heard this, that he'd come to the aid of his people back in Bethlehem, then she says, okay, it's time to return home. She'd finally got to the end of herself. Of that it's when she heard in Moab, yes, Lord, yes, because here she is, physically far away from God's people and God's land, but she is not, in fact, far away from God. He never leaves us or forsakes us. No, the Amy no. Grant song, so beautiful. Isn't I am that? with you. This I is am. really what God says to His people. Yes, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's right. That's right. So and even though she had turned her back on God, God had not turned His back on Naomi. What a word of hope that is for those of us who've had some Moab time. Well, exactly. And the and the very fact that throughout this text, Naomi consistently. Uh, in a sense, blames God, but at the same time, recognizes God. Right. I see that more as a recognition. Me too. You know, yes. it's a truth speaking. Yes, oh. it definitely is. Some see it as blame, but I agree with you that she still has that seed of hope down, way down deep inside that is never left, that the Lord is really in charge. And uh, now we see that she's going with her daughters-in-law and heading back to where she never should have left, back home to the father's house, in a sense, to the house of bread. And then there's this big hormonal huddle on the road. (laughs) (laughs) Hormonal huddle. And it comes, for us anyway, sort of out of nowhere. They've all started off together. The girls have said goodbye to their family, their friends, their country. I I always say they've sold all their stuff on eBay. You know, they're on the road now. (laughs) And then Naomi says, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. It's a remarkable statement when they've all started out together yeah. for to suddenly yes. stop, the, stop everything and go back home. Yes. Um, we're not told why. You know, we can't 
climb inside Naomi's heart or head as much as I long to as a storyteller. We can only deal with what's on the page, what people say, uh-huh. what they do. Um, and so this is a remarkable. I think in many ways she is being gracious to them um, in the sense of saying, may the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead. Mm. So she speaks a kind word to the girls. But the truth is, going back home with two Moabitess girls with her is not smart. She, instead of having everyone's sympathy, she will have everyone's judgment. Yes, yes. And I do think that that has sort of washed over Naomi at this point. And quick, while she isn't too far from, from Moab, she wants them to go back. Go back, go back, go back. She keeps saying it 12 times in this text. Mm. The words go back, return, turn around. Yeah. They're all the same Hebrew word, shuv, turn around. And uh, it's interesting because that word also really, in Hebrew, it means repent. Mm. Well, this is an absolutely beautiful place for us to wrap up today. We want to see that there is a godly line and there's an ungodly line, and we see it wrapped up in this story. Orpah kisses her mother good, mother-in-law goodbye after that, but Ruth clung to her, and we never hear of Orpah again. And that, godly, that ungodly line has disappeared. Would you agree with that, Liz? Well, it's, uh, it certainly has disappeared from this story. That's right. That's right. And, and it really is emphasized in Psalm 1 where the, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. You know, this has been a great first segment for our a study of Ruth, and I'm so thrilled that Liz has joined Words to Inspire to encourage us with the story of Ruth. We're going to continue next time, and I'd love to hear from you, my listeners. Email me with your thoughts or comments about today's show, Ruth at wordstoinspire.ca, or visit my website, wordstoinspire.ca. You can access many previous shows, find out more about Words to Inspire, and our vision to cross Canada with this program, already on nine locations. You can also visit the store on my website where you can purchase the first of my WOW Bible studies, Woman of Worth, Lifelong Encouragement from Psalm 139, and just released the four DVD set to accompany that first book, a great resource to encourage you in your spiritual journey. God's Word is so powerful, and Words to Inspire wants to stir up your desire to memorize, meditate, study, and apply the life-changing truths of Scripture. Remember, if you miss a segment of this study on Ruth, you can access the shows after they air on my website, wordstoinspire.ca. The theme verse for this book on Ruth, this series that we are doing, I've chosen from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in the message, and it reads, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. I'm Ruth Coghill with Words to Inspire. Bye for now.